Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. An old-time war reporter, philosopher, and writer, Bernard-Henri Levy, is sent during the pandemic year of 2020 by a group of newspapers that include Paris Match, La Repubblica, and the Wall Street Journal to bear witness and report from hotspots around the world disrupted by war and also facing the most challenging geopolitical disasters on the planet. From the trenches in Donbass, Ukraine, and the resistance in the Panjir Valley fighting the Taliban to the Kurdish fighters combating ISIS, the film takes an unflinching look at the world's most unreachable war zones and urgent humanitarian crisis and has one message, pay attention and care for our common humanity. The film is called The Will to See. It's co-directed by Mark Roussel and our guest today, Bernard Henry Levy. It's an honor to welcome you to Film School Radio. As I mentioned in the introduction, the reason that you traveled the world during this very dangerous period into these dangerous parts of the world was because of an assignment you accepted from a group of newspapers. At what point did you decide that you wanted to do this, and also how did that become the documentary film we know as The Will to See? The opportunity was uh, provided by a, by a group of newspapers who, who just came to me and hired me for this series of reportages. This was the opportunity. It was uh, Paris March. It was the Der Stern in Germany. It was Wall Street Journal in America. It was uh, Republica in Italy. This was the opportunity. But the reality is that um, in the depth of myself, I have always thought that it was part of my 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 life uh, of uh, an intellectual. My life has always been divided into two, an alternance of philosophy works on one side and reportage, war reportage or grand reportage in general in general on the other side. So I just keep on doing what I did all uh, uh, all my life. When you were thinking about the itinerary of where you were going to visit over the course of this time, um, was there something in the prioritizing where you wanted to go and sort of a sequence of where you ended up going? Or was it something that just as you were in these different places, you decided to to go? Because you go to Africa to obviously... I won't get into all the different places you went to, but you visit much of the most conflicted and most deadly and brutal war zones in the world. Was there a rationale to your sort yeah, of? The, there was. There was. There, there were three threads. I wanted to number one to go back to places to which I'm very familiar, like Afghanistan or Kurdistan. This was uh, going back. I wanted to go in places where um, very few people go uh, because they are they are out of frame, out of screen, under the radar because nobody cares at the end of the day. This is uh, Mogadishu. This is the middle belt of Nigeria. 
this was a second sort of situations, uh, places where I was, I never went myself, but very few of my colleagues go because probably there is no real request, not no real demand from public opinion. The demand has to be created. So second situation, I decided to use my the freedom which my notoriety gives me in order to be able to do that, to impose Nigeria on the agenda of uh, big magazines and therefore their readership. And number three, uh, there was a third situation. I wanted to, to go and work on the, on, in a place where the question of the refugees is a hot issue. Uh, the question of the refugees, for me, it's something as itself. It is uh, one of the biggest uh, tragedy, uh, greatest tragedy of our time. Uh, and I wanted to cover it as such. That's why I went, not once, not only once, but twice in the island of Lesbos to interrogate, to give the, the mic to these people, to, to try to convey their voice and so on. So these were the three main, the three threads of this uh, movie. The idea of refugees, I want to revisit that uh, question. In, but first, I want to zero in on... I a region that I've been interested in for quite some time. And it seems over the course of watching you in this film, you are particularly drawn to, and that is the Kurds and the Kurd in Kurdistan and the plight of the Kurds. Um, going back many, many years, decades now, they have suffered enormous loss, enormous struggle, not only with the situation in Syria, but the, but the, but Turkey's military actions towards the Kurds and in Turkey as well as outside. What is it about their, their plight, their situation uh, that draws you to it to the degree it felt like in the film that we see that attachment you have for them? Um, what is it about? Is it a geopolitical issue? Is there something cultural? Why, do, why is it that they always seem to be on the other end of justice? Number one, cultural. It's a great culture a great country, a great people. Uh, number two, it's political. They are the embodiment of uh, moderate, enlightened, and democratic Islam. Number three, it is ethics. They are incredibly brave. Uh, and in particular, they were so brave in front of um, ISIS. They were on front line nearly alone. And number four, we are unfair. We, the West, have been unfair them and I don't like injustice. I will uh, certainly not with a single film or even with two films or three films repair the injustice but at least try. So I, I devoted to them a whole film Peshmerga a few years ago. Another one The Battle of Mosul. It was in big part uh, devoted to them. I wanted to a new rendezvous with them in this uh, big film. So for this reason also, not to be part of the, of the general unfairness, the general uh, injustice uh, committed by the West against them. Remind our listeners, we're speaking with the co-director of this incredible documentary film called The Will to See, 
that would be Bernard Henri Levy, and it's also co-directed by Mark Roussel. You mentioned refugees. You mentioned visiting the island of Lesbos. It has another issue that has been weighed on me heavily over these last few years is the future of refugee flight around the world, whether it be by war, whether it be by internal politics, or whether it be by climate. We are, as a species, beginning, to, I think, to grasp the, that, that the refugee issue will become one of the most important issues that we'll have to deal with over the next few decades, at least. How are we doing? And do you see any hope of us being better at, at dealing with refugee flight around the world? There is two, two keys to this issue. That it will be one of the main issues of the next year, that's next yes. decade. Yes. This is certain, no yes. doubt. How to face it, how to deal with it, two keys. Number one, hospitality. And number two, um, justice. Hospitality, we have to reinvent the rules of the European and the Western hospitality. And justice, we have to resist this um, huge metapolitical, metaphysic injustice, which is the fact that to be born in the south of the planet is a disgrace uh, on so many regards. We have to fight against that. It is unbearable for me that being born in one place rather than in another uh, could be a disgrace and could be a a curse. This is for me is unsufferable. And um, this is one of the things which I say in the movie. Well, I'm going to, I would like to pursue that a little further. And that is that as climate becomes more and more of a damaging part of our existence and the breakdown of infrastructure, the breakdown of social civil society in many countries, I see the mass migration of people around the world as an existential threat to the nation state. I don't know how someone who's bordering, say, Bangladesh or some other country where there could be several million people who are in flight from some kind of a disaster, where are they going? And what is it, what are these adjacent countries going to do? And I don't, if we had a million or two million or three million people at our border uh, along the Mexican border, What's the responsibility of our leadership to maintain the integrity of our nation? And how do we deal with these things? I I really don't understand. I don't know how this is going to happen. First of all, um, the existential existential threat uh, for the moment is on the countries which are so in such a disastrous situation that everybody wants to leave. The existential threat is on Syria, on Sudan, and on Bangladesh itself, yeah. more than on us. The real, if there is an existential threat, it is in the countries from which the migration starts. Yeah. If there is such a migration, it is because there is an existential threat on them. Number two, uh, the case of, exam- of Bangladesh is a good example. It is not only a land of migration. It is a land where people migrate, Rohingyas. I was in Bangladesh in the Rohingya camps, a city 
a sort of complex, uh, huge neighborhood of the Cox Bazar, one million people, the biggest city of refugees in the world, it is in Bangladesh. Bangladesh, on top of all the burdens they have to, to have on their shoulders, have the obligation to care about this million of even more disgraced people who are ruining us. Uh, number three, uh, I'm not sure that to receive, uh, to host uh, a great quantity of refugees is a threat for a nation. I don't think so. Uh, look at uh, at America. Uh, you you have uh, you are a country built on migra- immigration. You have such a considerable number of migrants stepping in every year in the states. And this is the way it works in your country. So uh, as long as the migrants accept the rules of the country where they are migrating, as long as they are uh, patriots of the new constitution and the new flag they provisionally or forever embrace, immigration is not a threat. It is a chance. It It is a luck. And last point, which is sure is that you you cannot have some huge some parts of the planet emptied from their inhabitants and uh, and so on. So you have to have a more balanced politics economy between the different parts of the world. People and and number five, the biggest provider of migrants in uh, tragic conditions is war, even worse than the climate. Those who have let the war in Syria go, those who have not prospected, not expected the war in Ukraine, or those who have prospected it but uh, said, okay, we'll see, have a responsibility. Today, there is a 5 million or 6 million Ukrainian migrants. There is a, a millions of Syrian migrants who escaped wars which could have been prevented. So first thing, to to act against war, to stop the butchers before they butch, before they act. This is another um, um, sort of reply to your question. Thank you for that answer. I I would just have one one area in which I would um, just like to counter some of that. And I'm happy to hear of your optimism to some degree in all of this. But the reaction so far in Europe and other parts of the world has been more of a nationalist sort of uh, reaction to people coming into their country, which leads to a a precarious and dangerous reactionary political forces within those countries. So I I hope, and I do think that people, as they recognize the challenges ahead, I hope that we'll become better educated about it and, and be preparing for it. So those are, those are the things that keep me up. <laughs> so, um, well, the film, again, let's get, but just uh, in closing, I just want to once again, thank you for the work here. And you mentioned Ukraine, you visit Ukraine, you visit Afghanistan, Africa, many regions of the world that are under tremendous duress. And, um, and it is an unflinching look. I thank you for that. It would have been counter to what I think you were trying to accomplish to do anything but to show it as it is, to show these regions of the world and beautifully done. Absolutely a, an amazing film. 
the, the will to see. We've been speaking with the director, co-director, Bernard Henry Levy, as well as the co-director who's not with us, Mark Rossell. Thank you so much. And I, uh, anytime, it, uh, as I said, uh, truly an honor to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.